Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Well, NBA fans, the wait is over. NBA basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting part of the NBA, is celebrating an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets for the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code MANIX. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for just betting $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code MANIX. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensed partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. And we are back. Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. Second episode this week, because it's a big one. Tyson Fury and Francis Naganu, a heavyweight boxing clash in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. That is going to happen on Saturday afternoon here in the U.S. It is a major event. Will it be a competitive fight? Daniel Cormier is a two-division world champion in the UFC, UFC broadcaster, the host of Daniel Cormier TV right here 
on the volume sports. He joins me to talk about kind of the breakdown of this fight, what Francis Aganu has to do to make this fight competitive. And have we seen kind of a tipping point for these crossover fights that have made a lot of guys a lot of money, but the interest in these fights may be waning after some recent results. We talked to Danny Cormier about that a little bit later. Tyson Fury himself, the lineal heavyweight champion. He joins me from Riyadh to talk about his preparation for this fight. We also get into the planned event that he has with Alexander Usyk, the unified heavyweight champion who Fury is set to face potentially as early as the next couple of months, late December. We talk about that fight and what Tyson Fury would do if he could be boxing commissioner for a day. How would he fix a sport that's badly in need of some change? So stick around for that. It's a great conversation with Tyson Fury. Before we get into all that, there was one thing that came up this week that caught my eye that I didn't get into on the last podcast. Last episode was great, by the way. We had Mike Coppinger from ESPN joining me to talk the boxing business and Oshaki Foster, who's got a fight this weekend, joined me as well. So make sure you go back and listen to that episode. But after we recorded that, I spotted this video from Deontay Wilder where Wilder was effectively making a public plea to Anthony Joshua to face him in the first half of 2024. Take a listen. A fight that everyone is looking forward to and, and hope it happens. And, you know, I'm doing everything in my power to make it happen. And I'm referring to it as the Joshua fight. So, Anthony, I'm giving it from my mouth here personally, you know, from the horse's mouth himself. Hey, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I heard some things about what your promoter said that I, my last fight only lasted a short period of time. That I ain't fought in a year. And he don't know if, I'm, if I want to fight or not. But I'm letting you know right now, right here, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to get in that ring, man. Let's let's make this the best time of our lives. This would be a, 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 a major disaster if we would never be able to get in the ring and, and put our stamp down in history, bro. You know what I mean? When people would think about classic and, 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 and great fights, I want them to think about us as well, you know, and being able to do that, we got to get in the ring, you know, and that's just what it's all about. You know, the silliest thing I've heard is people saying that you're not ready. And that's the silliest thing because I don't believe that. I believe you're ready. I hope you're ready. I think you're ready. Let's make this happen, bro. Me and you make the history happen. I'm looking forward to seeing your response, bro. I'll talk to you soon. Love, peace, God bless. So there's a part of me that reacted to that in a positive way. You want Deontay Wilder to be pushing hard for a fight against Anthony Joshua. That is one of the biggest fights that can be made in all of boxing. Probably the most explosive. No, not probably. It is the most explosive fight you can make in the heavyweight division. You can certainly argue that Usyk Fury is a bigger deal because all four belts will be on the line. But Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua is can't blink. <laughs> you just can't blink if... You are going to watch that fight. Both those guys have fight-changing power, huge knockout power. So I was enthused to see Wilder go for it. But it also got me thinking about this is kind of what is wrong with boxing right now. Do I believe Deontay Wilder wants to fight Anthony Joshua? Yeah, of course I do. Do I believe that Anthony Joshua wants to fight Deontay Wilder? Yes, 
I believe that too. But both these guys want a boatload of money for that fight. And they're entitled to make as much money as they possibly can, but they're not entitled to make more money than they can, if that makes sense. Right now, one of the things that's killing boxing is big guarantees. Guarantees that make the fights not worth it to the networks that are putting them on. All you know, for the last couple of years, we have seen a lot of pay-per-view fights, big pay-per-view fights. But the reality is, many of these pay-per-view fights are loss leaders for the networks that put them on. If you're guaranteeing a fighter 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 million dollars to take that fight, that's a lot of buys you have to generate in order to make that kind of number up and make it worth your while for the network. So most of these networks and some of these promoters are losing money on these pay-per-views. So my, my solution to all this, and one factor that could certainly get Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua in the ring quicker is if both these guys agree to a percentage of the pay-per-view buys. Both these guys agree to a modest sum for a guarantee to make sure they make a good amount of money, and then they get a massive percentage of the pay-per-view buy. This is how it used to be done, by the way. This isn't something that's uh, novel to boxing. It used to be that percentages were a uh, staple, or a big part of pay-per-views. Nowadays, it's gotten into the guarantees, and that's made putting on big fights a lot more problematic for these networks and for these promoters. You know, a... A fight between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, if you did in Vegas, say, because it sounds like the Middle East is out. A fight between these two guys would probably generate something between a 8 and $10 million live gate from a casino in Vegas, most likely the MGM. Um, it would also do, I don't know, 400, 500,000 pay-per-view buys, a big number over in the UK because Joshua is big over there. These guys should take guarantees that reflect that, that reflect a reasonable expectation for what that pay-per-view would do. And if it exceeds that expectation, they should make all the money. The money shouldn't go to the networks. The excess money shouldn't go to the promoters. These guys are fighting. They deserve to make as much money as they can. But what is really hurting the sport right now is that these guys are getting guaranteed sums that do not match up with the numbers that they're bringing in. And you can't ask networks and you can't ask promoters to keep taking losses. These are businesses. And if you're a network and you're looking at some of the numbers, why would you want to get into this business if you're doing pay-per-views that wind up losing money or don't, or you know, on the other side of it, make you just a little bit of money? So that was my reaction to Wilder against Josh. I hope it happens. I think putting it in Vegas is the right move. I think it would make both those guys a ton of money. It's a legacy fight, and the winner of that fight would absolutely be next in line to fight either Tyson Fury or Alexander Usyk for the undisputed championship. There's a lot of reasons to like that fight. I hope it happens. But one of the reasons I'm skeptical is there's a reason that the Middle East was intimately involved in parts of these negotiations because the Middle East is willing to put up the kind of guarantees that U.S.-based networks or U.K.-based networks or promoters are not willing to do. So I'm still skeptical. I hope it happens. But the reality is, fighters moving forward, if you want to fix things, don't ask for guarantees that outweigh 
what the fight's gonna uh, gonna bring in. If the fight's gonna bring in big numbers, uh, then you should get the money that comes from those numbers. If it doesn't, well, networks promoters that they, they can't be on the hook because it, it it just the boxing business just can't function with that type of model. All right, let's move on. Daniel Cormier is a two division UFC world champion and the host of Daniel Cormier TV on the volume. DC, do you like these? MMA boxing crossover fights? You know, I like it for the fighter in terms of the money that they make. Now, if you're just fighting for the sake of fighting and not getting paid the dollars that Francis Ngannou getting paid, I don't love it. But there are levels to boxing and mixed martial arts crossover. There's Conor McGregor, who made $100 million. There's Francis Ngannou, who's going to make $10, $15 million. Those guys that are just popping over there to get beat, because generally that's what happens to mixed martial arts fighters, and they're not getting the big dollars. I don't see the sense in it. Is there, I agree with you. And my other question is, is there a downside for MMA fighters in doing this? Because really, since McGregor went in with Mayweather in 2017, we've seen MMA fighters lose in various levels of poorly, right? Like, I thought yes. McGregor was fine. Like, he, he, he hung in there he for a while. Okay in there but then like you've got the guys that are challenging jake paul who are just getting flattened yep. for the most part that's bad uh whatever that was with dylan dennis and logan paul which was an embarrassment yeah. to both boxing and it, i think to mma man um, isn't it crazy isn't it crazy that when we watched nate diaz fight jake paul we thought that was absurd and then we get dylan dennis versus logan paul and it was even worse like how did it get worse i thought when nate diaz was like turning away from Jake and, like, kind of throwing punches off to the side. It was as bad as it could get. But, no, Dylan Danza starts to shoot in the middle of the ring and finally gets himself disqualified. It is – it's 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 absurd. It was well, absurd. Not, not to go Not to go off topic, but the – like, that Dylan Danis couldn't execute the two MMA moves he tried to do was <laughs> the most embarrassing thing for him. Because he's not a good MMA fighter. How could you not be a good MMA? He's a great jujitsu guy. But he's not a good mixed martial arts fighter. So how are you a bad mixed martial arts fighter? And then you go and become an even worse boxer. It makes no sense. Right. Conor McGregor, by the way, gave him raving reviews on his performance. He just said he didn't throw enough punches, which to me is even more uh, out of this world. Look, he tried to go out of the shield. Conor McGregor did. And yeah. I give him credit for that. I mean, that's... So, so wait, I'm talking about Conor was talking about Dylan's performance. Conor, by the way, oh. did great. I'm saying he said... Dylan did great. He just didn't throw enough punches. Connor himself against Floyd Mayweather did a good job because he fought one of the greatest boxers of all time, and he went seven, eight, nine rounds and looked like he belonged. I don't know that Nate really looked like he belonged, and I don't think Dylan Dennis for one second looked like he belonged in there with a boxing, with a boxing, I mean, a boxing. Saying you did great in boxing, but you didn't throw enough punches is like saying you did great in basketball, but didn't score enough points. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of the the good. object of the game to throw a lot of punches. I yeah, do you think do, like you you know McGregor better than I do, but did you think that McGregor really meant that? I know he's I got can, a relationship with Dylan, yeah. but do you he, you can't watch that and think that Dylan, who averaged three punches landed per round, <laughs> you can't watch that and think he did well. You would think you would think that's the case, but I don't know what to believe anymore with some of these fighters, man. Some of the stuff they say, I'm like, this guy actually believes this. And I'm I'm astounded. I'm taken aback. Or any other one word you want to use to describe how shocked I am 
that they live in this world. But I do believe that there has to be a bit of delusion in order to be a great athlete. And I think that that's what some of these fighters uh, put on display every time they make these statements. So where I was going with that was kind of pointing out how these MMA guys have had a lack of success in this field. Is there a downside to, to them losing like this for both MMA and for these guys individually? I think I think there are certain levels or degrees to it. Tyron Woodley, I feel like those losses to Jake Paul has kind of ruined his career. He put out something the other day saying, maybe I want to fight again. But it's like, I don't know that people get jazzed about watching one of the best welterweights you've ever seen fight when their lasting memory is of Jake Paul knocking him out flat, especially after Jake Paul fought Nate Diaz in the way that he did in the way that he fought against Tommy Fury. So it's like, now we know that Jake Paul is not a good boxer. So it almost ruins what we expect from Tyron going forward. Now, Connor, if Connor decided to fight again and it's not Floyd Mayweather, I think people might tune in because, again, you could point to however many years ago that was, he went nine rounds with one of the best fighters of all time. I don't know what you can do for it to be enough because you're going to lose. The, the, the skill set is too limited for mixed martial arts fighters. They need to be able to use everything and to just box. You're going to lose. It's just how bad are you going to lose and what impression is that loss going to leave on you going forward? Yeah, somebody's got to talk to Connor about Canelo because that, that's a bad That thing. is not good. That <laughs> is. You know what's the worst thing about Connor? You know what's the worst thing about Connor and Canelo? And I'll tell you this right now, Mannix. Uh, Canelo won't carry him. Canelo will hurt him. And that is why I'm happy that Francis is fighting Tyson Fury and not Deontay Wilder. Because I felt like Tyson Fury is so good that he can stay safe enough and still do enough damage to Francis, but then we may find ourselves in round five, six, seven, and Francis may come out of this thing looking pretty good still. I don't know if Deontay Wilder has that ability because I don't know if he has the control and the skill set to be able to do that. And if you leave openings with these boxers, man, you can really find yourself getting hurt bad, yeah. like really, really bad. Yeah, look, Tyson Fury has done that with lesser opponents. I mean, I thought in his in one of his most recent boxing matches against Derek Chisora, Chisora like yeah. I, thought he, I thought he carried Chisora for some of that fight. He, he is. It's a great point. He is capable of, you know, just boxing and being comfortable enough to stay out of danger that he can get away with being a showman for five or six yep. rounds. But, but ultimately, yep. this is... You know, and I was watching some of the press conference this week, and you know, I think ultimately Tyson's going to decide, like whatever round it is, that I'm going to put him on his back, that I'm going to go out there and I'm going to hurt him. Um, for for Francis, is there a downside to that? Like, if he gets mm -hmm. stopped by Tyson Fury, does any part of his reputation take a hit? I don't. I don't. I think Francis is in a pretty safe situation. Honestly, you're fighting the best heavyweight boxer in the world. One of the best heavyweight boxers we've ever seen. So Tyson Fury can be a bit goofy. He's a showman. But at the end of the day, he's legit, man. He's big. He's strong. He's got tremendous skills, and he hits like a monster. So I think Francis is safe unless he goes out there and he gets wiped out in the round. Then it's like, well, why did we buy this for one? And two, what made us believe that he had that ability? 
I believe for my money, Max, Francis Ngannou is the baddest heavyweight on the planet. In free fighting, nobody can beat him. Nobody can beat him. And that's including Tyson Fury and everybody else. With, with a complete toolbox of skills, no one beats Francis Ngannou. But you don't get to use that. You get to box him. And going into that world, I don't think it's going to be good for him. Yeah, I would love him to win. Make no mistake about it. I would love Francis to win. Nothing would make me happier. I just find it hard to see an avenue for him to get it done against a guy that's so talented. You know, the reason these guys continue to do this is in part because the MMA community, the MMA fans just support these guys. Like, yes. unquestionably. And oh, we 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 on there. We in there. We go. We going to beat Tyson Fury this weekend. What you mean? We going to beat Tyson Fury this weekend. So wait, am I done being my like analyst and I can go back to being a fan? Man, we getting Tyson Fury. Like that's what we do in MMA. All right. So, so, so along those lines, like what is Francis Naganu's best strategy? Because I was saying this to somebody earlier in the week, like, I, I'm envisioning something like Peter McNeely, Mike Tyson, just like yes. go at him, like just start at swinging him. at him. Because if you try to outbox this guy, A, you can't do it. Him. And B, you're not equipped to go four, five, three minute rounds in that particular style. You know what the problem with, with, with fighting Fury is? And I've noticed this in a lot of his fights. He's great at boxing you. But it's a bit the way he leans on you and he mm. pulls on you and he clinches and he's digging inside tight. The way that he fights in close and his size, his, his sheer size, when he was done with Deontay Wilder in that third fight, Deontay could barely stand up because he was so exhausted of carrying Tyson Fury's weight. He's such a big guy. Francis has to just attack him. We have seen Francis do this in mixed martial arts. I feel like for him to get the job done, it's got to be fast, it's got to be furious, and it's got to be a very short fight. Because if the longer they're out there, the more the skill set and the more the, 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 the abilities will start to show themselves. Because if he starts to get tired, it'll get real bad for him out there against a guy like Tyson Fury, who's been in there with the best that, that we've seen in a long time. Beat Klitschko, beat Deontay, beat everybody. You know, Chisora and all the rest of those dudes, he's, he's just beating them all. So the skills will start to show themselves. You're so right about leaning on opponents. The very first fight that I saw Tyson fight live was when he fought Steve Cunningham in New York many years ago now. And I called that fight for NBC. And I remember Steve Cunningham put Tyson Fury on the deck in like the third or fourth round of okay. that fight. Yep. And it looked like Cunningham had a chance. But over the next four or five rounds, Tyson just kept leaning on him and sapping the strength of his legs. And you saw that in the Cunningham fight. You saw it in the two knockout wins he had against Deontay Wilder. I know, look, Tyson's not really 6'9". He's listed as 6'9", but you see Fury and Nagano standing close. To, either Tyson's 6'9", or <laughs> uh, Francis is 6'8". Like, there's, there's no... Yeah, Francis is total. Francis is a big guy. Francis is about 6'4". So Tyson's probably 6'5", 6'6". And you also wear tall shoes. I've been guilty of that over the course of my career, wearing tall shoes. And then when you get in the octagon, you're a lot shorter than the guy. So you wear tall shoes. And France about 6'5", 6'4". So I bet Tyson's like 6'6", 6'7". But he's huge. I mean, when he's out of camp, what's Tyson Fury weight? 3'10", 320? It's a massive dude. Wait, you're, you're you're like what five eleven six feet? You wearing tall man, shoes? Man, Come on, I man! I was five eleven with my shoes on. I'm like five nine and a half right now. Dog is bad. 
It's all bad. I'm getting shorter as I get older. <laughs> are you so? Are you? You know, you know Naganu. Are you expecting yes. him to come out guns blazing? Man, I'm trying. I I expect him to come out there hard. I expect Francis to go out there on his shield and try to knock this dude out. Hmm. Look, Tyson Fury's great, but we have seen him get hurt and put down by people. You listed. You said earlier that I we saw Deontay Wilder knock him with a punch that would kill most human beings. Tyson Fury got up. So he can be hurt. He can be dropped. How does Francis get it? Francis will be as fast as anybody he's ever been in there with. Francis is so fast. He's so strong and he's so explosive and he does throw punches from very odd angles. My question is, as we get into the fight is, do those angles present openings for Tyson Fury, who is a master of throwing his punches in between your punches. That's where he gets guys. A lot of times it's when they're starting to throw Tyson goes, ba-boom, and then they go down, right? So it's like, how does Francis get to him without leaving too many openings? Do you think any of the shine has come off Francis in the last couple of years? I mean, you have to go back to January of 2021 when he was last in a combat sport. Uh, He's still a big name, and this is still getting a lot of attention, but that was almost two years ago, DC. Yeah. I think I think with time away, that happens, right? Think about Steve Miocic. Man, it's like, does that make you jump out your seat anymore, being that the last time we saw him was when Francis beat him? There was a time where I would say his name, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy's the greatest mixed martial arts heavyweight of all time. Or John Jones when he was on the three-year layoff. You start to think about all the other things outside of competition. Francis hasn't had any issues, but right now, the biggest story surrounding Francis Ngannou for a long time was he was the heavyweight champ that took a chance on himself and left the UFC. So the shine may be gone a little bit in regards to what does he look like in a combat scenario, but in terms of his name value, I think it's still good. I I, I, I saw something today that was very telling. Earlier in the build to this fight, it was announced that Usyk would fight against Tyson, I felt it was the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen. You're looking down the line to what's next. A real challenger is what people would say. Today he was on Ariel Hawani and he said, I thought it was disrespectful, but the people that pay the checks insisted that I do it. You still don't do it. You still don't do it if a little part of you doesn't believe it. Doesn't believe that you're safe enough to start to look down the line at a guy that is a world champion just like you, undefeated and all those other things. So, yeah, it's, 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 uh, I think that to me told me that maybe, just maybe that shine has gone a little bit because now we got to start looking to what's next. Because if Francis was still as big of a star, everybody would be locked in on promoting this right now, but it might not be going as well as they anticipated. So they're kind of going, okay, let's make sure that we keep this momentum from here on to what's next by already letting people know what we got going on. You know, when Connor fought Floyd, he made a pile of money. Yeah, and did. we didn't see Connor back in UFC for some time after that. We know yep. that Francis has this PFL deal he can fall back on, but he's going to collect so much money fighting against Tyson Fury. You know, I, I've wondered, do you think we see Francis back in the cage, or, at least in the short term? I think it will it won't be as long as Conor. I know Francis Ngannou, and I know that Francis loves to fight. 
So he'll want to get back in there. And how in the world can you as a guy that at one point was stuck in a desert, right, trying to get to freedom? He had nothing. Francis was, when Francis got to Paris, he was living as hard a life as anyone could have ever imagined. How could you get your foot off the gas right now when it'll never be hotter? I expect we see him again. I expect we see him within a year fighting back in the mixed martial arts cage where he belongs. My, my, my big, my, listen, I always fear what lasting damage do these boxing fights have on these guys going back to four ounce gloves. I believe for my money, and I love boxing. I grew up watching boxing my whole life. I still watch it religiously. I believe that boxing is more dangerous than mixed martial arts because I think when you get knocked down in MMA, they jump on you, they hit you, they hit you, the referee stop the fight. You get knocked down in boxing, 10 seconds, you're kind of like, in 10 seconds, you can get pretty good. And then the guy goes to hitting you again. I wonder how long the damage that happens this weekend lasts on uh, Francis, whether he wins or loses. And for my money, he's winning. So here's what it is. <laughs> Wait, you said for your money. For your money? Yeah, yeah. You putting your money where your mouth is there, DC? A little bit of money. This is a little bit. I'm not putting the big money on him. I'm not putting the big money on him. But I'm putting a little bit. I mean, yeah, well, you you bet a little bit on Connor back in the day. Like, I, we have MMA-colored glasses on, man. You're absolutely right about the damage that gets taken in boxing. The guys that wind up with long-term issues are not the guys that get knocked out in the first round. They're the no. guys that go 10, 11, 12 rounds consistently and fight in wars. That's why when Fury walked away after he beat Dillian White, there was a part of me that believed him because yeah. he had just gone, what was it, 12, 33, 40 rounds. I'm trying to add it up with Deontay Wilder. And yeah. those were grueling rounds that he yeah. had to go through. Um, you're right. You know, I, I, I don't think Fury is going to put some kind of beating on Nagano, but I think it will be a violent ending and it won't be a one punch violent ending. It'll be one where he has to absorb some punishment before he goes down. Francis is too tough to go down with one strike. Francis and Ghanu is as tough as they come, man. And like I said, if you're living out in the desert with no idea of what your life looks like down the line, you can fight. And you're going to fight until you can't fight no more. So Tyson's going to get Francis out of there. He's going to beat it out of him. Do you want to see boxers get into the cage? I mean, we know why these no. MMA fighters are going into <laughs> boxing because they... They can make a boatload of money, you know, fighting yeah. one-offs in boxing. We've had the occasional boxer jump into the cage. I was in Boston when James Tony did it. And, it wasn't oh God, good, I can't, man. I can't unsee that. Let me tell you <laughs> that. I can't unsee that, DC. Let me, exactly. let me be honest about that. But do you, I mean, do you want to see, like, an elite-level boxer jump in the cage with an elite-level MMA fighter? Can I be honest? I don't need to because I know the result. I know the result. I, I watch Randy Couture in his 40s, a guy that had stopped wrestling in his mixed martial arts fights, go immediately to something that he hadn't done for years because he knew that the guy would be so ill-equipped in that area that he could submit him. That's what would happen in most cases. You throw Francis Ngannou in there with Tyson Fury in a boxing fight, Francis will take him down and he'll submit him. It's it. I, I don't really need to. I would love for the the, the circus that surrounds it, right? But I don't really need to see it because I know the result, which honestly, I feel like 
I know the result when the MMA guys go to boxing. I love the pleasant surprise, and I would hope for a pleasant surprise, but I don't really anticipate it. You know what's true, though? You're The MMA fans are... <laughs> they're 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 more of them and they're more passionate than the boxing fans i say that well boxing are, are passionate they're very passionate but they're not as many as ufc fans and I, I just don't believe that the boxing fan will follow a fighter in terms of pay-per-view buys no. into the cage i don't think there'll be as many buys for a crossover fight there'll still be a lot but yeah i don't think there'll be as many because I, I think the boxing fan won't be as interested then yeah, I, don't think, I don't think they'll believe. They won't be true believers, exactly. DC. They won't believe. Like, we believe. We actually believe enough to where I've already bought the pay-per-view for this weekend. <laughs> I, I mean, I believe already. Take my money. I already believe. It's like we are passionate, we are loyal, and we will follow our guys to the war and hope that on the other side, our guy is the one with the hand raising. Look, I expect my guy, Francis Ngannou, to make a ton of money. Not what McGregor made, because that was a spectacle that will never be matched, right? Worldwide tour all across the world. They're on stage in front of thousands and thousands every single time. We didn't see that with Ngannou versus uh, Tyson Fury. But he will make a ton of money, and I just keep my fingers crossed that he somehow lands that 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 punch. Give me the one that you caught Alistair Overeem with where he threw that uppercut from his hip and almost took his head off. He does that to Tyson Fury? Tyson Fury ain't getting up, man. I'm sorry. I'll say you anything. Check out, check out DC on Daniel Cormier TV on the only on the volume sports best MMA coverage in all of combat sports. DC, appreciate your time, man. This was great. Thanks for talking to me. You're man, bro. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it anytime. And when we come back, my conversation with Tyson Fury. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car and. That's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, that's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. 
Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Tyson, you have said repeatedly that you have committed more than 12 weeks of training camp for this fight. It's a longer camp. Than you had for Deontay Wilder, longer for Dillian White, longer than Derek Chisora. Tell me why. Tell me why you see are seemingly taking this fight so seriously. It's not that I'm taking the fight so seriously. It's the fact that I've had nearly a year out of the ring again for no fault of my own. So if I was active, um, I'd only do maybe five, six weeks for any fight because I'm always active. I'm in camp. I'm fighting regularly. But the last time I fought was early December of last year. So it's coming up nearly to December again, which has been 11 months out of the ring so far, um, which is not good preparation for any world champion or any athlete at all. So that's why I put a 12-week camp in. It's not because of how good or bad Engano is. It's about me. I don't really care what the opponent is going to bring in any fight, whether it's Wilder, Usyk, Muhammad Ali, him, Joe Frazier, anybody. It's not about what they bring. It's about... If I can be the best of me, then I'm happy. I'm not trying to fight somebody. I'm not trying to prepare for Nganu. I'm just preparing me for the best version of myself. You've seen, I'm sure, some of the the training camp footage that circulated of of Francis Nganu. I mean, do you watch that? And and when you do, no. kind of, what do you think of what you're seeing? I don't watch it because I know I don't do anything correcting when people's videoing me for a, a video <laughs> to go online. Why would anybody? Why would anybody want to go in there and give it the best shot and show everybody what they've got? You know, it'd be stupid to do that. So, you know, it doesn't really matter what he brings. If he's if he's a thousand times better than what he was on video, then good luck to him. I hope he is. Um, like I said, it's not about what they do in their training camp and how they prepare. I can only be the best version of myself. And, and I believe after the 12-week camp I've been through, all the sparring I've had and everything, the preparation I've, I've put into this, then... I'm ready to fight whoever it would have been. Any any combat gladiator from history, I'm ready to fight them on Saturday, regardless of how, how quickly, Tyson, do you realize what you have in front of you? Do, do you kind of figure out what your opponent has when you're in the ring with them? Again, it's not really about what the opponent has. I'm just trying to get out there and do what I do. And I'm trying to land how heavy punches are on early, let them know what time it is, and then light them up as we go along. You uh, you've got Nagano coming up, and this is a a crossover type fight with a, a UFC champion. Uh, your brother Tommy has wins this year over Jake Paul. He just beat KSI a couple of weeks ago. Crossover yeah. boxing has been good business for the Fury family over this past year. But do you think yeah. this crossover boxing is good for boxing? It, this is a different thing to me and Nagano is totally different to Tommy and Jake and Tommy and KSI. Tommy's made, 
I don't know, 15, 15, 18 million out of them two fights. So congratulations to Tommy. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, and I think that the the influence of boxing and YouTube stuff is fantastic because it brings the kids in. You know, I was at Tommy's fight on last week and it was full of like parents with their kids and it was a different different demographic to anything I've seen before. There were young girls there, young young boys. It was It was like a family-orientated show. It was an event. Much similar to that of the, the WWE. So I think it's very good for the boxing. And don't forget, these guys could have chose any sport to go into and cause an impact, but they chose boxing. So that's very good for boxing because it brings, brings a lot of eyes to the game, a lot of new blood into this game. And that's exactly what we needed because boxing's going stale. It's no, it's no, it's no secret that boxing has gone downhill in the last 10 years. People have got so much to choose from sport-wise, they can flick through a thousand stations on ESPN and, and think about what they want to watch. You know, so much sport to choose. Why choose boxing? So these guys have come in, lit it up. Everybody's talking about it. The social media phenomenons and YouTube phenomenons, they've got 50, 100 million subscriptions and whatever else they've got. And it, it makes it better for the young up-and-coming real boxers that don't have a following and somebody might see them on an undercard or wherever and think, you know what, I might watch this also. So I think it's very, very good, that side of the boxing. However, this, what we're doing, is totally two different things to the YouTube people because I'm the lineal world heavyweight champion. Francis is a lineal um, UFC heavyweight champion. We're both absolute killers in, a, in an octagon or a boxing ring. So it's not like, oh, these are two YouTube people uh, boxing each other. You've got two best at what they do fighting each other. So, yeah, it's, I think it's a, a lot different to what you see um, on the influence boxing. But I think it's yeah, this... fantastic for the game because you've got both worlds colliding. All the eyes are on the boxing game. You've got the casuals in between. You've got UFC fans, MMA fans, and, and boxing and fight fans. So it's uh, we're anticipating it does humongous numbers um and it's already we had 200 million views in the first few days of the, the trailer to promote the fight so there's a lot a lot a lot of interest there was i think there was i can't remember frank warren said to me there were five six hundred million views on the press conference alone across social media platforms so people are very interested and intrigued by this fight and you've got to give the people what they um what they thirst for and that's an event like this and a promotion like yeah, the tra the trailer is great. It's been running everywhere over the last uh, couple of months. And I think yeah. boxing needs more of that. It needs more of yeah. that kind of like, you know, movie promotion type of stuff when it comes to this. You mentioned boxing becoming stale and not to get too far off topic, but it, that has been a major topic in the U.S. over the last couple of weeks because Showtime announced that they were exiting boxing. You, of course, fought your first fight with Deontay Wilder on Showtime pay-per-view. If you could be kind of boxing commissioner for a day and change anything about this sport, is there something that you would do that would take kind of the staleness out and put boxing on the right path? I think that they um, they need to take a, a leaf out of the UFC's book. If you watch a UFC fight night, not the not the um, early preliminary card, the main card, and all the fights are evenly matched, they're all good fights. And they're on quick. The one's out the ring, another one's in it. And it's all done by about 9 p.m. If you watch boxing, especially in the UK, it drags on all night to like 12.30 a.m. in the morning. 
Um, some of the fights are not worth watching because you've got a guy who's 22-0, and 22 knockouts. He's fighting a guy who's had a, he's 3-56. and 56. It's just it's not worth watching. Um, so the promoters need to put on more evenly matched fights, stop protecting all these young talents, let them fight each other, and that's how you spice boxing back up again. But make no mistake, the influencers and YouTubers, they are spicing this game up, and it's needed breath breathing back into it. I'm not talking about the champions. I'm not talking about a world champion in any weight category fighting his mandatory or fighting a top 10 contender. That's not what's killing boxing. What's killing boxing, in my opinion, is unevenly matched fights and there's no interest in the fights that are on anyway. More promotion, yeah. advertising, that sort of thing. We're in a world now where social media is everything. And if you don't have a social media presence, then people won't have heard of you. And if you look at like Ryan Garcia, who's got like millions of followers on Instagram and, and Tank Davis, when they thought it was an absolutely massive fight, monster fight, people wanted to watch it from all walks of life. So you need to put on uh, evenly matched fights for one and fights that people are interested in for two and match the prospects harder as they're coming up. Match them against each other. If you've got five, six guys in one stable, you can only take one to a championship let them fight each other. The best one will win. And therefore, it'll give value for money going forward on the, these fight night shows. But again, times are changing. When Jack Dempsey fought Gene Tunney, all of the fights, they were sold out. Chicago playing fields, 100,000 people, more. Fights of the centuries. They didn't have social media. They didn't have many things to support back then. There wasn't a million different sports going on with access to every single one of them on, on the TV. So it was a lot bigger. Today, there's so many sports at the touch of a button and you can choose to be a fan of any one of them. Why choose boxing? Why choose football? Why choose any of these things? So there's got to be a reason why. And that that's, that's the thing. Today, there's so much to choose from, so much choice. It's different. Times have changed. Hey, you got to give people what they want. No question about that. Um, when you retired years ago, you were 100% retired at that time. You said that to anyone that asked. Now you are 100% back in with Naganu, perhaps with two fights against Alexander yeah. Usyk down the line. You said last week you were looking for maybe a 10-fight deal uh, in the next couple of years. How often does your mind change about your future in boxing? So I retired back in 2015 after Klitschko. Mm -hmm. um, I, I had a hiatus from the ring of 30 months, came back, won, all the, won the world title back again. And then I retired after Dillian White. I had six months brief retirement. Um, I retired not because I was shot or I thought I didn't have it anymore. I retired the last time because I wanted to spend time with my wife and family. I didn't want to be running around as a champion. I didn't want to be messed around. I just wanted to be left alone for a while. And I did that and then I come back. So, and now I've got, I just want to keep active and, and um, stay, keep the, bringing the joy for these boxing fights that I can receive. You know, when I go out there and do a fight, it makes me, makes me happy. It makes me content for that moment. And then when it's finished, it's like, well, oh, well, on to the next one. That's all it is for me. It's just like a like an adrenaline junkie. And I go into these fights and I'm happy and I'm ecstatic and it's ah, all eyes on me. And then two days later, I'm back in the little town, Morecambe Bay, walking the dog down the front. So 
it's highs and lows. So I've got to speak to Bob Arum, I've got to speak to Frank, I've got to speak to Turkey El Sheikh about my next 10-fight deal. If I do sign a 10-fight deal with these guys, it will be the biggest biggest signing in sports history. Not just boxing, sports. Yeah, look, I watched the the Netflix series, and it was excellent for, for a few reasons, one of which was, while it was entertaining at times, it also showed what I thought was a man really struggling with finding his lane outside of boxing. When you watched yourself in that series, what did you see? I don't have to watch myself in a series. I live it every single day. Hmm. Look, my purpose, other than boxing, is a father and a husband and a son. That's it. I don't have any other purpose. My purpose is to bring entertainment for, for fight fans and to be a husband and a father. That's it. Other than that, I have no interest in anything. And, yeah, that's the most important thing to me, raising me kids up and trying to get them to, to an adult's age in one piece. That's a good start. And then just being there, you know, being there for my wife, my dad, my brothers while we're all here, while we're all still alive. Probably in the best position that anyone could be in right now. I've got both parents still alive, all my family are all well and out of trouble. And yeah, everyone's healthy and happy. So it can't really be any better than this right now. Like your dad is very else, healthy based on anything else is an added bonus. And you know, people get carried away with all the glitz and glamour in life. And when you strip it all down, we're all just bare bums in the shower. And no matter how much money we've got or how much achievements we've got, everybody's exactly the same. And that's it. Some people are supposed to have more than others. Some people are truly more blessed than others. And I can't say why, because I'm not God. I don't understand godly things. I rarely understand earthly things. Never mind understanding heavenly things. So, yeah, but I know one thing. I know that I'm, what does a man have that God hasn't given him? That's my question. You've got a, your, your dad certainly is healthy. I'll, I'll give him that. That's for sure. After watching him over the last couple of weeks in uh, some of this crossover stuff. Um, before I let you go, you, you've talked about, you know, fighting for a long time, 10 fight deal, richest deal. You want to make a lot of money. Where does being undisputed rank on your list of things you really want in your career? I don't want anything. I can actually sit here today and tell you I'm a man who has zero, zero wants. I don't want anything. I just want to wake up tomorrow and enjoy the day. That's it. Like wanting to be a billionaire or wanting to be a world champion or anything. I don't want any of that. If you give me $1 trillion today, it wouldn't it wouldn't improve my life 1%. It wouldn't do anything for me. It would be a waste of time. That's what it would be. Because other than doing the deal, which would bring me excitement, but as soon as I had the transfer... It'd be like, oh, well, something else now. Nothing's ever good enough, if that makes sense. Mm. I'm always looking at the next move. Doing the deal for the billion trillion dollars would be fantastic. The excitement of it, oh, I've just done a big deal. Fantastic. But actually receiving the goods is, is unimportant. And just like being undisputed, it means absolutely fuck all to me. I don't know if you can say that on this interview, but I've said it mm. anyway. I've always said it. I remember when I was fighting Klitschko in 2015, and he looked at me and he said, I know what you want. You want my belts. And I said, that's where you're very mistaken. I said, I don't give a fuck about the belts. I just want to punch your fucking face in. You can watch it. It's on YouTube. And he was shocked because he'd never heard that before ever. I don't give a fuck about the belts. 
I don't care about being undisputed. I don't care about being a world champion. It means shit to me. But I tell you what I do care about, going in there and punching motherfuckers' faces right in. That gives me joy. Inflicting pain on opponents, that gives me joy. Seeing them worm and squirm when I've hit them with a big right hand right in the jaw and all the brains scrambled and the legs go sideways, that gives me joy. It ain't holding a belt high. It ain't collecting me paycheck. That's all well and good. That comes with a prize. Your paycheck and your belts. But the most of it all is why I ever do it is the fact to inflict pain on my opponents. And that's it. Victory. That's the word I'm looking for. Nothing else matters. Belts, money, anything but the V. The W, that's all it's about. You could say to me, we'll give you, I don't know, 20 billion. Does that sound like a good number? To go in there and lose a fight on purpose. I'd say stick it up your ass because the money don't mean that much. But getting that victory and what you got to do to get that victory by any means necessary, coming out of there with that victory, that's what it's about for me. On the night, you got to kill me to get that victory over me. And that's no lie. Unless you kill me in that boxing ring and I die on the spot, I'm going to hunt you down and I'm grab you by the throat and choke the life out of you. And that's all it, all there is to it. Well, you get your opportunity to inflict pain on Saturday. Francis Ngannou, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Tyson, always good to catch up, man. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Peace out. Don't try this at home. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Daniel Cormier and Tyson Fury for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.